I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers on Sports and Unity. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You know, a few things bring people together like sports fans from all different backgrounds who come together united by a sport that they all love. They share the passion no matter where they came from, no matter what they look like, no matter what country they're from. It's all happening because of that particular sport. We've seen the um, World Cup with soccer. We're in football season right now, so we see what's happening with football. And one of the things we really wanted to talk about was the unity that sports bring springs, brings to us on so many levels from the community level, from the neighborhood level, schools, and then all the way up to the pros. But most of all, it's about the fans. So I have a great panel for you to break this all down and talk about it and the many different aspects of it. Joining me is Greg Bishop. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He uh, covers football, mental health, and sports, and also was at the World Cup uh, soccer matches. Thank you so much for being with us, Greg. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Also with us is Keith Bullock. He's a former New York Giants and Titans three-time All-Pro NFL linebacker. Um, he's also been active in charities throughout his entire career and really believes in the power of sports to help people. Keith, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Appreciate being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Jamel Wright. He's the founder and CEO of the Harlem Jets. It's a youth football program that also includes academics and other sports. Jamel, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, Keith, I want to start with you on this. What is it about football that really unites people? Because the audience continues to grow. There's a lot more women who are diehard fans, I think, than ever before. What is it about playing that game that, that you noticed? Um, I think uh, the, the sport of football has come a long way, especially since social media and marketing. You know, it's always been a game that everyone is tuned in to, to watch. But now with all the different platforms where you can pull it right up on your phone, you have Instagram, you have Twitter, Twitch, all these different platforms where it can be brought right to you. So I think it's being um, it's being put right in people's faces that wouldn't necessarily stream or even look at it. I'm sorry, because of the streaming and the different algorithms where you can see something interesting. And then now, like you said, um, you know, a young lady who typically wouldn't watch football on Sunday with their boyfriend now is in a fantasy league with their office and she needs to know about Saquon Barkley and how many yards he has and all those different things. So I think the, the NFL has done a great job of using the different platforms available to it to kind of bring the game and enhance it and make it more make, uh, easier to follow for those who aren't the necessarily everyday diehard football fans. Greg, what is it about sports that that just is such a door? It's really honestly a conversation starter, door opener, even on the most basic level, people who might never even dare to talk to somebody else. That It's just you you have the same, you know, share the same passion for the same team. And it's it's like all of a sudden you're friends. Yeah, I think there's a relatability involved. You know, there are many human beings alive that can play sports at the level, say, uh, Keith Bullock, you know, who's on this panel. But most people have tried it. Most people have been a part of teams. Most people have won something at some level at some point in their lives. And that relatability to me leads to connection. You know, look at Bill's Mafia. Whenever something happens, they go crazy with donating, they create GoFundMes. And, you know, between those two things, I think you really tie communities together. 
And, and, and boy, is that something that we really need right now, you know, in this where, where, where we're at as a country and and as a world, really. Jamel, uh, tell us tell us about the Har- the Harlem Jets, because I found out about your group driving down the FDR drive. And I was like, going, what? Wow. This is I mean, the it's packed. There's hundreds of fans, parents, everybody out there. The lights are on. It was like Friday night lights right in Harlem. And it was awesome. So I'm happy that you're joining us. But t- tell us about it. So this is uh this is our 17th year in existence. Um, I think we've done a, an incredible job of meeting kids where they are and helping them to get to the next level. Um, and as a result of our, our our of what we've done, the community has circled their arms around us, and that's why on a, on a Friday night you can barely get a car past that field over there, our field over on 128th Street and Third Avenue. But uh, we just uh we 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 love, respect, and appreciate our kids. Um, we ensure that they're they're strong academically, and then we we kind of put them on the field. We we've never turned the kid away. We don't cut kids. We you come out, and whether you know a lot or you 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 don't know anything, we we teach you how to play the game, and we make you respect the game. And hopefully, uh, you know, moving forward, you will be able to use the game of football and all of the other sports that we have instead of those sports using you. Um, because what we've seen is that. Um, it's a life changer. It becomes the carrot. So a kid that could potentially not really have interest in school or interest in really doing anything, you'll bring them out, you will expose them to the game, him or her. Um, they'll they'll find a like that, you know, they'll have a liking to it. And now because of you having a liking to the game, now you want to play. So because of that, I need to see your progress report. I need to know that you're being a good citizen in the community. I need to know where you're at, what you're doing. I need to know all of those things about you because if I don't know those things about you, then you're not, I'm not going to allow you to get on that field. So it becomes that kind of thing. And then uh, I think uh, as a result of that happening, um, the community has, has actually, you know, as I stated earlier, put their arms around us and, and, you know, hopefully they'll carry us the rest of the way. All right. When we come back, we're going to find out more from our guests about sports and unity. Stay with us. Yeah, yeah. What up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about sports and unity. At this time, sports is bringing people together in all kinds of ways, all different levels, all across the country, all different backgrounds, like few other things can. So we have an amazing panel to break this all down for us. Joining us is Greg Bishop. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He covers football, soccer, and mental health issues in sports. Greg, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Keith Bullock. He's a former New York Giants and Titans three-time All-Pro NFL linebacker, very long and an illustrious NFL career. He's also been involved in the community from the very beginning. Keith, great to have you with us. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Also with us is Jamel Wright. He's the founder and CEO of the Harlem Jets. It's a youth football um, and other sports and also educational program. Jamel, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Keith, tell us how you came into how you came into football, because there's not a lot of football players. I don't think that play have careers like yours that are more than a decade long. Yeah. um, You know, football was something that was always in my family. And in about fifth grade is really when I started playing at 11 years old. And I went into, you know, at, at, 
12, I was in foster care. I went into foster care and football was something that kind of always kind of gave me stability, um, kept me, you know, meeting new friends and kept the community around me. You know, I feel like the community that I was in when, you know, I went into foster care and started living with my foster family really rallied behind me. And most of those families were the families from my football team, their parents, um, baseball team and basketball team and other youth sports that I played. But obviously football propelled me to uh, get a scholarship in uh, at Syracuse University and to the NFL. But first and foremost, and I know uh, Jamel could definitely attest to this based upon his program, football gave me the discipline I needed as a, as a young man at 14, 15, when you can either go left or go right. Um, and I, I, I went straight and that was good for me because I was able to focus and, and get a scholarship instead of doing some of the, the other things that maybe some of my other peers were doing that wouldn't have led me to down the right road. Greg, there's kind of been a, I, I don't want to call it a trend, but we, we've been hearing these you know, stories about, oh, sports puts too much pressure on kids. It's too much pressure on the players. We've seen very high profile, very successful world level, you know, world champion level athletes say they need to need to take a break because because of mental health. But what are the positive aspects, the mental health aspects for fans? Yeah, you know, I think that fans can use sports as an escape. I think you saw that after 9-11, for instance. I think they can use sports to relate to one another in a world where I, I don't think I'm on a limb here. It's increasingly divided. And I think that fans have something to follow and root for when they're really deep into a team. I think that they're able to, um, you know, look forward to a game, to being involved in events. And to me, it's something to grab onto that everyone can share. And then in terms of the in terms of the youth, Jamel, and guys, please feel free to jump in the, with each other with each other too, because there's so many so many aspects to this we want to get into. Jamel, in terms of the youth, how critical is your program, especially a lot in New York City? There's a lot of schools that that don't have any sports activities or teams at all. So, like, do you have to turn away kids just because of the numbers? No, well, what we've done is, you know, we've we've uh, figured out, we've always figured it out. We take pride in being able to figure it out for our kids and not having to turn kids away. They, we've we've historically had maybe more than one team on a level um, because, I mean, we I believe that a lot of our kids have faced so much adversity already. For you to come out to a football field or come out to a, a, a cheerleading mat or come out to anything, our wrestling, anything and be turned away just because of, of, of pure numbers or because of resources. I think that's just a, a, it's just unacceptable for us. So we we take pride in always figuring it out for our guys. And and if you come out and you give us your best effort, we will ensure that we have a place for you to play. Keith, in terms of in terms of the work that you started doing during your NFL career in the community, tell us about that. Well, yeah, like I just said, I said I was in, uh, in foster care. And then when I got the opportunity to go into the NFL, I saw a lot of my different older teammates having their own charities. And I knew that if I ever got the opportunity 
to give back, I would. And I started to keep Bullet Believe in the Chief Foundation. And, you know, um, <clears throat> I know what it was like uh, growing up without your parents or growing up in a misplaced uh, situation. So uh, for me, it was very important to recognize and realize those kids and give them the opportunities to, to come to football practice for, you know, book bag drives, take them places for Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas drives and spring break, things that were dear to me that like I spoke about the community in Rockland County, New York, that that I was around, um, family included, you know, made sure were important to me. So it's still even now um, important that I am uh, present in those people, in those type of communities for sure. Greg, talk with us about uh, Damar Hamlin, because that story, you know, the, 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 the near, the really near fatal, near fatal accident, then his kind of miraculous recovery. I mean, people were really following this very, very closely, even people that had, you know, hard to believe, but there are people that have never watched an NFL game or gone to one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think in that moment, you saw the whole world focus on that football field in Cincinnati. And, you know, as Keith knows, the the NFL is a, you know, violent sport. It is, you know, collision after collision after collision. But even then, that was really unique. It was a unique moment. It was incredibly scary. I was I was hardened, I think, a little bit by how people reacted to it. So you have two coaches who met at midfield to decide, like, we can't play tonight. I thought that was really took some courage. And then you saw an entire league unite behind DeMar uh, just in support of him and following all the updates and seeing his progress and the way that he handled it. Then you have the GoFundMe, you know, it's over $8 million already that people have donated so many thousands of donors. And you know, for a moment that was as scary as that was, you know, to me, people reacted to it in a way that shows the connective tissue of sports in general. And then in turn, yeah, oh, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, I was just going to um, chime in, like as a, as a former player playing 11 years, playing a long time. I had seen many teammates down. I've actually seen, you know, teammates, you know, not moving, like a lot of different scary situations. But um, that was something that had never, it was unprecedented pretty much. And, um, you know, when you hear administering CPR and then you hear, you know, they have it like, those are things that, you know, those are fatal, it's a fatal situation. And for me, it wasn't registering like at first as, as fatal. Um, but then when you see what really stuck out was um, when they showed Stefan Diggs and he had the tears in his eyes, that's when I really knew that uh, this is something different than, you know, maybe like a concussion or a spinal contusion or something like that. Keith, you were, you were a linebacker, very, taking a lot of hits, giving out a lot of hits too, but the, what, how did you stay healthy for that? I mean, 11 years is, I think, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, it's pretty long for an NFL career, right? Especially for a linebacker who hit like Keith did. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, well, I was definitely blessed, but I was smart. You know, uh, they, you know, football is a full contact sport, and I wasn't, you know, dodging or ducking any type of physicality, but there's times where, you know, you could be a smarter player. You know, the phrase, work smarter, not harder. Um, you know, I was only about 235 pounds, and these linemen have me by 70 pounds, sometimes even, wow. you know, three, sometimes 100 pounds. So, you know, I wasn't that great at science or physics, but I understood it. So, you know, what I mean, I just didn't put myself in too many, um, 
you know, reckless situations, but um, I was still able to do my job very effectively without um, being any less physical than anyone else. Jamel, how do you handle that? How do you handle that? Or go ahead with what you were going to say. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, I was going to piggyback off of what uh what Keith was saying earlier. Um, with football being a gladiator sport, like those are the the biggest, the toughest guys on the planet, and to see guys actually breaking down as a receipt of uh, as a result of seeing Hamlin laying on the ground and then hearing some of the port reports of what was actually happening because the guys had huddled around them, so we couldn't really see it. But to hear the reports that, you know, they were really like it was a really, really a life and, a life and death situation. Um, you know, all of our guys are, are CPR trained and we have the, the the AED and all of that. But that is by far the worst case scenario. We're <laughs> Not even thinking about it. that. <laughs> right. We're all trained for it, but no one wants to say get the AED and, you know, seen and, and actually implement all of the things that we've learned. Um, throughout the year. So that's when it became really, really scary for me because I'm, I, as some of the, you know, the the sportscasters were saying, like, what is his mom actually thinking right now? Like, what is his family? His, thinking his family, about? right. Those people aren't, you know, you know, they aren't coming out on the field. So they're in the stands and agonizing, like, what exactly is going on? Because so, you know, that was uh, so I, I, I need I felt like I needed to say that um, in, in response to what Keith had had, uh, had said. But uh, what we do is, I mean, a lot of what we do from the youth perspective, and I think it's just kind of standard for, for, for football, is that we have a preseason conditioning program. We do a lot in preparing the kids' bodies for the, 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 the rigors of playing a football game or any of the sports, because we understand that it is, there is a level of physicality that's required that you can't get away from. So as uh, Keith stated, you can play smarter, uh, you can play harder, but it's probably more important to play smarter. And there are times when a big, you know, you may find a a, a 10 year old fullback that's 200 pounds. I mean, are you going to have that collision or are you going to try to push him out of bounds or figure out a way to use your proper proper tackling technique to not have that like full collision? Because it's it's dangerous. It's a car crash. Every play is a car crash. Now, granted, on a youth level, it's not nearly as violent. But it is still full contact, and it is, is it is not to be taken lightly. All right. When we come back, we're going to hear more from our guests. Stay with us. Yo, what up? It's the game, and it's the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about sports and unity. Have an amazing panel to discuss this. The way we're really taking a look at how sports brings people together, especially at this time when eh, there's a lot of nastiness out there. A lot of good people, too, and a lot of good things happening. But, you know, you never know when that nasty thing is going to spring up. So joining us, Greg Bishop. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated, covers football, soccer and mental health issues and sports. Greg, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you. Also with us is Keith Bullock. He's a former New York Giants and Titans three-time All-Pro NFL linebacker and uh, played in the league for 11 years. And he's also been active uh, in really in helping people and uh, charities and things like that too. Keith, thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate it. We appreciate it. Also with us is Jamel Wright. He's the founder and CEO of uh, the Harlem Jets. It's a youth football, sports, and education program. Jamel, thank you so much for being with us. 
Great. Thanks for having me. We, we really appreciate it. Greg, we're, we're in a world where a lot of people, you know, everything is about streaming. People are like, oh, I don't have to watch that now. I can catch that later. It's going to be on, you know, it's going to be online. I can watch it on my phone later or whatever. But when it comes to sports, it's watching sports is still a must see live event for people, for, for a lot of people. Tell us about like the whole soccer, the climate with the, you know, with the World Cup in the uh, in the soccer arena. Yeah, you know, the World Cup to me is a unique event, even when you look at Super Bowls or Final Fours or whatever. And it is in part because it's teams from all over the world. You know, I was in Qatar for roughly three weeks, you know, in November. And you see people from Argentina, from Brazil, uh, you know, from everywhere. And they were all in the same place, hanging out at the same time with really, really high levels of passion. And I think that that speaks to soccer's importance across the globe, but I also think that it speaks to why sports matter. And I think that's why you see, ultimately, the live sports rights are still, you know, the best bet in television in terms of people are going to pay to put these games on. Networks are going to, you know, find advertisers. The NFL's revenue goes up every year. And I think it's because, yes, you can watch everything on streaming now, but live sports, like you don't want to miss the conversation. You don't want to be out of the loop. And I think that's why you see an event like the World Cup that has, you know, close to a billion viewers over the course of it. No, all those. If I I could piggyback off that, um, I've had the opportunity to go to um, the NFL Europe games. The Titans were out there and I've gone out there a couple other times. Um, And the NFL does a great job. London does a great job of hosting. But to like you're saying, Greg, the the amount of and it's not a big deal here because it's our sport. No one's waking up at eight o'clock in the morning to watch the Jaguars versus Giants. You know what I'm saying? But over there, it's amazing to me how many international fans um, the NFL has. When I was over there with the Titans, I'm drinking beers with guys from Germany, Japan, Finland, Russia. They're just Titans fans that came over there. And the experience of going to the game, um, you see a jersey from from Gail Sayers to Barry Sanders to, you know, Saquon Barkley, like all the eras, all the generations, every single team is represented by these international fans and these stadiums sell out every time the NFL comes. So to what Greg was speaking, um, sports, and we're talking about unity, um, that's something as Americans, we don't get to see how big our sport of American football is over there in Europe. That's incredible. All the, all the different fans. Yeah, it's pretty dope. And coming around like that, Jamela. In, ter- in terms of, in terms of your players, are there what impact does like what impact does them seeing other you know people proceed with their careers and succeed with their careers have on them in terms of their motivation? I mean, I think you know from a from a, a youth football perspective, everyone has hoop dreams, is what I call them, right? Everyone has aspirations of getting to the league and being able to you know buy their mom the the, the wonderful home and to do incredible things. Um, I just try to have balanced conversations with our guys. Like the likelihood of that happening is probably highly unlikely. So there are a ton of other things that need to happen. Um, so in the event that it does happen for you, we're elated. We're all, you know, going berserk on for you. But if it doesn't, what's our plan? What's our what's the alternative? Like what's what are we doing? So 
we always lean on academics, right? So we lean on academics and we ensure that our guys are academically sound. And, um, you know, we, we, that's really where we, what we hang our hat on. Our guys have to bring in progress reports. And, and if you're not maintaining a, a, a 75 to 80 GPA, um, then you're, you're not playing. So um, it's just, it's, it's, it's challenging, but uh, I think that, you know, I, I, I use football because essentially that's part of the topic, but um it's 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 nothing like it in the world to be able to come out and play a game that you love. And um, as 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 Greg mentioned, overseas, um, you have the the fans are are, are fanatical on 128th and Third Avenue on a Friday or a Saturday. The fans are as fanatical like we are, nice. you know, the grandmothers and the grandfathers and the cousins and like almost to the point where like the, the leading up to the game at the, you know, practice, I have to remind people, guys. You're not a participant in the game. You have to stay back. <laughs> you have to stay back. Like the Rucker. <laughs> you got right. the, exactly. like the Rucker. Right. <laughs> yeah, they become because you have to remember now the little that 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 kid is that's my that's that's little pop pop. That's my guy. Yeah. You know, right, right. You know, that's my that's my grandchild you just hit right there. What are you doing? And it's like, no, it's a, it's within the rules of the game. So it can become a little bit fanatical, but I think that's the fun of it all that's the you know the the give and take that comes along with it and then obviously us being in an urban setting um you know we don't have bleachers so our parents are like on the field with us we have you know luckily we can get a a, a police barricade or some caution tape to ask people to stand back so um it's a you know it's one of those things where you know if if you love it you love it and you're going to show your love and your passion we just ask that you're balanced and understanding that someone has to win and someone has to lose. And just because we lost doesn't mean the other team or the referees cheated. <laughs> <laughs> it's important that everyone get very, it, youth, you know? youth games can get very contentious, oh, very fast. We all started. I, hey, that's where I started. So I know exactly so, what you're talking about. <laughs> that's why. So because we understand that it can become very volatile, that's why I'm kind of always having that conversation. Guys, got to stay back off the field. Understand that. Yes, the kid is the kid is supposed to be twelve, and he's six two and two hundred and some odd pounds. Oh no, nah, you got to check them births. Yeah, no, we've done our full. <laughs> so, so part of it is the kids have to have a state ID. Everyone has to have a physical. Everyone has to have a report card. There's an independent agency that comes and vets all of the kids. So they, oh, everyone wow. has done their due diligence. They're just some kid, and, and I'm sure Keith, you can attest to it. You've been in a locker room and looked over and said, "Dang, that's a big guy over there." Yeah, nah, one thousand percent. You have definitely so seen some twelve-year-olds at these camps, yeah. and I was some, like, some, "Yeah, it's some guys get a gift from God, and it's size, and you can't teach size." So when you encounter the kid, we figure out from strategic some strategic ways to deal with them, or we're going the opposite direction, right? You can't, you can't, you can't. You know, we're gonna figure some stuff out, but. It just happens, and when it does, you deal with it accordingly, you know? Keith, what about that, <laughs> the whole size thing? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was teasing, but, like, yeah, to what he's saying, it sounds like it's protocol. I, I remember you had these to weigh in. Obviously, it goes by um, age and then weight, and I'm sure it's changed a little bit over the 40-year or 30 years since I played. But, um, no, nah, I was just teasing, about like, that's how, that's how it goes. But, yeah, some parents – will definitely be like, uh, you know, you got their kid who might be 12 years old and he's 5'5", five, five, and then you got another kid that's 12 years old and he's already six feet. Yep. And he's he's tackling your 5'5 five, five kid that's a runner. 
running back, that's not a good look. So uh, I can understand in those hostile environments, um, you know, especially the Pop Warner uh, situation. I'm not the youth league situation. Um, yeah, you know, uh, definitely been some fights at the park back in the day over. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm probably at the other end of that spectrum. You know, they are, they're, they're looking at me saying, uh, you know, is this guy going to get broken in half? So, you know, I think there's, two <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Somebody has to document all of it and, and talk about <laughs> it and, and bring it, bring it all to light. But Greg, let's, let's switch over here for a minute to the, the, the professional players. Do you feel today like, the players are in Keith. I want to hear from you. On, I want to hear from all three of you on this. But the players today, how have the pressures on them changed compared to ten or fifteen years ago? Would you say the pro well, I, Yeah, I think it's heightened in some ways. For one of the things Keith said at the very beginning of the show, you know, you have social media, you have a higher audience, you have greater access to the players than you did before. You know, when people were going to crush a guy and how he played, they could do it mostly in private <laughs> or on radio. Now you can go directly to the Twitter account. Uh, guys have showed me NFL players some of the stuff that they get, and especially when they have a bad play. It is truly mind-blowing how cruel and uh, mean people can be. Yeah. But I think the flip side of that is that you have a really strong current right now of mental health advocacy. You have people that are examining things that athletes have always gone through in terms of the pressure and how to deal with it. And there are more resources now. There's more attention to it now. And there's more understanding now. In fact, I was talking to Michaela Schifrin, the skier yesterday for a story. And she was saying essentially that, um, you know, the outpouring of support when she struggled in Beijing at the Olympics is what has enabled her to ultimately catch Lindsey Vaughn in recent weeks for overall World Cup wins. Pretty soon she'll have more World Cup wins than any skier on earth. And it's in part because there's now ways for athletes to address that kind of pressure that weren't as evident even five or 10 years ago. Exactly. Keith, how did you deal with the pressure? Um, I, I think for me and to even with what Greg was saying, I agree to a point. Uh, well, to answer your first question, for me, I was born in the 70s. So there was no such thing as mental health, mental anything. It's either you get it done or you don't get it done. You got it or you don't got it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that's the right way to go about it. That's just what it was for my era of, of sports or just my my generation. You know, um, now to what Greg said, I 1000% agree it's, it's more it's more known about it's more talked about there are more avenues for it there are other ways for you know athletes that you know maybe deal with pressure deal with anxiety because i've had friends in high school that dealt with anxiety i've college friends pro dealt with anxiety that just wasn't part of of my makeup um but it's a real thing and you know i just feel that and the, the athlete now has those outlets that they can go and speak to people and maybe not just quit and revert to like drugs and alcohol or whatever when your career crashes. They can have a comeback and catch Lin Lindsey Vaughn and become one of the best athletes ever at their sport. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of, um, you know, sitting down with somebody, identifying what that is that is giving you that anxiety, that's giving you that hang up, why you're not able to perform in these situations, in these settings. And um, whereas, 
you know, like I said, we were like, you either got it done or you can't. And I had come from a sport where you're not going to get too much support from your teammates. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's great um, for these uh, athletes now. And I got here, you know, I retired at the beginning of the social media age of Twitter. So my last two years was with Twitter. So it was kind of fun for me because I'll troll the trolls, but in a real life situation where someone who maybe doesn't have that same, you know, mental makeup, it could be, could be crushing because people are really not nice as you started off, Lisa. So yeah, for sure. We have to take a short break. Um, We'll be back right after this. Hey, yo, this is Pat Post with Lisa Evers. Put your thinking caps on, Street Soldiers. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on Sports and Unity. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining me for this conversation, Greg Bishop. He's the senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He's covered football, soccer, and other sports, as well as mental health issues in sports. Greg, great to have you with us. Thank you. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Keith Bullock. He's a former New York Giants and Titans three-time All-Pro NFL linebacker, was in the NFL for 11 years, and has also been active in the community throughout his entire career. Uh, Keith, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks. We appreciate it. Also with us, Jamel Wright. He's the founder and CEO of the Harlem Jets, a youth football, sports, and education uh, program that's been in existence for way over a decade. Jamel, thank you so much for being with us. Great. Thanks for having me. We, we appreciate it. Keith, in terms of sports, like where you are now in your life, how critical has sports been in terms of broadening your perspectives in, in terms of what you thought you could achieve? Um, you know, sports, it, it, it kind of, you know, the more you achieve, the more confidence you get at life. You know, um, sports has given me experiences that I've never thought that I would have. Obviously, starting at the level uh, that Mr. Wright is at now with the youth league. That's where I started. Then going on to college. And then professionally and, you know, now being retired, a small business owner, entrepreneur, um, got an NBA. Like, you know, so I think that uh, sports has been very fulfilling. I also have always known that I expanded further than just being an athlete. You know, um, that's something that I always knew, have known about myself. Uh, but without sports, I wouldn't have been able to necessarily get to those um, destinations and um, reach some of those off the field goals outside of football goals that I've had for myself in life. No, that's fantastic. Greg, you cover, you know, with all the different sport, the different sports that you, that you cover, what about women in sports? What have you seen happening? Well, I think we're really seeing a sea change there and it's not like women haven't been successful athletes, but you're seeing more of them and more necessary attention paid to them. I mean, you look across sports now, uh, Simone Biles, Michaela Schifrin, I mean, there are just so many elite top level women athletes now that, you know, if you look at the WNBA and its popularity, uh, somebody like Brianna Stewart, I just think that they're finally getting their due. That probably should have happened a long time ago. And do you feel there's more? Do you feel that the the whole all of our attention, the attention that we put on sports, the you know from the fan from the fan point of view, the viewers, the people who buy tickets and go to the physically go to the the actual games, that this is just going to continue to be a, a part of our lives and grow. Yeah, to me, sports help us explain the world. You know, you listen to Jamel talk about his program and the impact it has on lives, you know, this isn't just games, you know, this is 
politics, it's finance, it's overcoming, it's teaching you how to deal with adversity and bounce back. There are a lot of things in sports that I think are not related to the games at all. And I imagine, you know, we can see all those trophies behind him in the case, but think about how many lives that have been changed in that calculus. I imagine there are far more than the trophies, and I think it's probably far more important. Jamel, how do you know you've succeeded with a with a with a kid? Um, if if I could circle back quickly, though, know, Lisa, and quickly, though, quickly, that you asked, that yes. you asked Gregory. So I'm, I, you took me right where I wanted to go. We, we, I think we've done a tremendous job with 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 boys and girls. This summer, we're going to be launching um, a girls sports academy, right? Because That's the girls great. have. I think in some instances, the girls have been underserved, right? We have women, girls and women that are tremendous athletes. And in some instances, they don't really have the place or, or the support or the, you know, to kind of showcase their talent. So I am so pleased to announce that this summer we will be launching um, our girl Harlem Jets Girls Sports Academy. Um, we will be and it's oh. and, and, and the expectation will be that they will win on the same level that the, the guys have won. So we're not just putting them out there to say, oh, good job, girls. Have some fun. Yay. No. See, we need another trophy case. You need another trophy case. And we'll have an expectation of success and excellence. We're going to do everything as it relates to women in the same spirit that we did it with the men and the spirit of excellence, right? So that is that. That's where now. If you could ask your question now, Lisa, I'll, I'll no, I'll, you. I this is your answer is better than yeah. whatever I would have asked. Yeah. But so, I just so, think yeah. I think that's I think that's fantastic. As my whole family, everybody was involved in sports, but for the girls back in the day. You were a cheerleader, and then when you get to high school, and you you were too tall, like I was. I was part of the dance, you know, we're the dance line at the games, because there was just a limited number of sports that girls could participate in. And now that they have these options, especially for the team sports like the women's soccer, the women's basketball, like these these sports that really require the team effort to uh, succeed, I think it's so fantastic. But I want to thank all of you guys for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Love this conversation. Um, and it's just, I think it's going to inspire a lot of people too that are, are like, yes, it's a game. Yes, it's fun to watch. But it's also at the end of the day, changing people's lives and making everybody who participates better for doing so. Uh, thank you, Greg Bishop. Thank you, Keith Bullock. Thank you, Jamel Wright. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.